This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fish and Game Podcast. you got your host here, Justin Townsend, and uh, today we're having a crew chat uh, with some of the field staff riders here at Harvesting Nature, and very excited on this topic, as always. I feel like I open up every podcast telling you how excited I am for the episode, but it's out of absolute sincer- sincerity. Shouldn't use big words opening, but... Uh, it's out of sincerity because I am I'm legitimately excited for our uh, our conversation today. So um, we're gonna be chatting a bit about waterfowl, and uh, this this conversation spurred a little twofold. Um, we're gonna get into how the the podcast itself, the topic, launched off the ground, but um, nonetheless, it's gonna be a good show. First, we'll go kind of around the room and get some updates on what's going on. Um, I picked up this really cool cookbook. It was written in 1974. It's uh, it's just titled Cooking Wild Game. It's a hardback, like one of those canvassy uh, hardback books that you get. But the, uh, the recipes in it are pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. I'm actually going to bring some up tonight in our, uh, in our conversation. It literally walks through all types of game meat there's some raccoon recipes in here geese brant small shore birds upland birds dove woodcock there's um woodchuck in here not woodchuck not woodchuck um let me remember now definitely turkey recipes by the way it's pretty cool 
I'm going to use it as a nice reference to throw back to the 1970s when times in Wild Game were even wilder. But uh, <laughs> should put that on the T-shirt, Corey. <laughs> um, but in other news, uh, my buddy Craig just landed up here in Colorado, uh, kind of a surprise visit to uh, – he's out doing archery elk right now, so he's preceding me by a couple days. Uh, and some family commitments this past weekend, so didn't make it out, but – Fingers crossed. Well, hopefully. So if Craig gets an elk before the end of the week, then uh, he's going to come down here and we're going to process it and inevitably record a podcast on his uh, adventures up in the mountains here. But if he does not, I'm going to pack my bags and try to join him this weekend to get a little archery elk before uh, Ben and AJ get down here, do a little hunting slash scouting, which will be good. Um, Other than that, Elks full full run in Colorado here now, so it's kind of where all the focus has shifted. But over to Adam. <laughs> oh yeah, um, fishing's winding down a little bit for me. It's not definitely not over yet, but they're, they're not biting as hard anymore. Um, I've been doing kind of switching over to garden mode, doing tons of fermentation and, and pickling and and all that kind of stuff, and getting ready for waterfall season. And I'm planning. Uh, kind of a northern trip for bear hunting and grouse hunting and rabbits and everything like that so i'm getting pretty excited about that so yeah that's where i'm at right now you just got back from a big camping trip right yeah i did i was up in uh not that far away actually from from where we live but uh in charleston lake and we did some really good bass fishing there uh had a really good time and ate some some good food and went hiking and fishing and and everything so yeah it was our only time out this year camping so we definitely enjoyed it Nice. Over to Sean. Yeah, we're. Uh, well, I don't. I'm not too too far from Adam. Maybe like a three hour drive. So we're also winding up our uh, early goose season opener is tomorrow. Uh, I got some family commitments too, so I'm not hunting the opener, but I'll be out uh, this weekend filling the freezer again. Uh, it's getting a little lean on goose meat in the freezer, and uh, and then gonna do probably my first moose hunt ever this. Uh, this fall in October, uh, we got a bull tag in the new uh, tag system here in Ontario for our group. So uh, that's motivated me to pitch in and get a moose get a moose license for the first time. So that'll be fun. And then we're also uh, gonna do some uh, diver duck hunting in uh, in the November December Ooh. window. Uh, do some layout boat hunting around uh, Lake Ontario and Lake Erie. So gonna be a full and then deer season obviously. So it's gonna be full up. I mean it's been pretty slow since turkey season. Haven't done too much. Been focused more on family stuff and and the day job. But uh, super excited for literally tomorrow for this to open up. So it's awesome. I'm I'm a little envious. So for me, like waterfowl season here in Colorado doesn't open. I think until next month, uh, middle of next month. I want to say. Don't quote me. New to the regulations. I know it's just not in <laughs> September because it's not on my calendar. But um, yeah, super excited. I've been seeing a lot of people. So Dove is open here, as is as it is in most of the 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 U.S. And man, people are just hammering away at the Dove poppers, which, as many people know, <laughs> is one of my points of contention in the world of wild game cooking. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. I think it's awesome that people are getting out. So uh, um, I will now prepare you for the for the main speaker. <laughs> In his update, Corey, what do you got for us? Well, I'm excited that Sean 
it gets to go. I, I want to live vicariously through him, moose hunting. That, that's that's that sounds like it's right. going to be an awesome hunt. But um, our early season goose uh, just opened up at the beginning of September, and I didn't go out the first day, but um, I did a little uh, last minute scouting and and found a spot and uh, a friend and I got out in the canoe and we uh, managed to get three one evening and then um, he did same friend my friend Jeremy um, did some scouting on the river and found where where the the geese were hanging out so we did a, a float about a five mile float down the river and uh, we managed to get six on that day, so I have a freezer full of Canada goose meat. I kept I I didn't pluck because I didn't want to deal with all the feathers. So I breasted them out. I uh, saved the legs and thighs, and then I took the hearts out of each one. So I have I have quite a bit of meat in my freezer, and uh, so that is one of the inspirations for this episode because I have all this meat, and I want to do different things with it. And so why not talk to the authorities on hunting and eating waterfowl? Ooh, that's a good title <laughs> for you too. Very prestigious. <laughs> but no, I saw uh, I, I saw some of the pictures that you had on your your Instagram and that you texted me. Whose canoe is that? Is that no, it's my friend Jeremy's. He uh, took took the time nice. to a pretty... spray paint it, get it all camoed up inside and outside. So it's we're 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 getting pretty serious. It's. Goose proof. <laughs> you are. It's good. You got to get some of the grass, get some ornamental grasses on there, yep. cup holders, all those things that the duck and geese hunters yep. require. We we were sitting out. <laughs> the first place that we hunted is a really swampy pond. And uh, when we first got there is when we first got in the, into the geese. And then we, then we set up and we were thinking we need to get we need to figure out a way to add the, all the grasses onto the canoe because it, it's it was really hard to find a place to set up because it's super swampy, so you can't get out of the canoe, and and it's really hard to maneuver because there's a lot of like submerged stumps. So we needed we needed uh, mm-hmm. the conceal uh, like the burlap conceal stuff, and I had. I had some Allen Company burlap camo, but it was it's it's like the woodland camo. It's not the, you know, marshy stuff. So it kind of. St- I don't think I don't think. Uh, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that water falcon just well, it, between woodland like camo we were in light colored reeds and stuff, Maybe. and we had we had oh. this dark brown, like camo colored burlap. So it, I felt like we we stuck out, and. You know, watching the ducks. It's not duck season yet, and they, you know, you could see they're coming at us, and then all of a sudden they'd veer off. So you could tell they saw us. 
They're like, nope. Yep, not going over there. They're like, who are these two stumps? Of <laughs> who are these two stumps that keep moving around? <laughs> but my my friend just got a new uh, nice dog this summer. It's a Boykin Spaniel, so it's it's a smaller dog, but he and he's still a puppy. But he's brought him out every time we've gone, and you know just to get him some experience so the geese are bigger than he is so he had he had a little bit of trouble he's still learning but (laughs) uh, (laughs) he likes to jump out of the canoe and start swimming does he actually retrieve has he worked with him does he retrieve the duck or the geese he he not really with the geese he's when they want dove i didn't uh he went dove hunting and the the dog retrieved the dove but i think he's just intimidated by the size of the geese because they're bigger, bigger than him. It's fair. As you can see now that uh, now that Corey's given his update, we we were inspired uh, to throw together this episode, uh, which I think is great. Like as it came together, very last minute today, uh, or no, we decided yesterday, right? No, Monday. No, it was, it was yesterday. I forget when we decided. Either way, yesterday. <laughs> like, who are we gonna? What are we gonna talk about, and who are we gonna talk to? So naturally, Adam and Sean, uh, both being our waterfowl aficionados, uh, and Adam has been on the podcast now what twice? Yeah, this is my third time now. So yeah, third time. Yeah, yeah. and then Sean, you've been on once before, uh, correct? Yeah, once before talking about bears, and then a couple of the adventures for food. I was able to share some stories. That's right. That's right. I forgot about those. You good old adventures for food. That's a good segue, Sean, because if anyone out there in the podcast listening world has a good story to tell about hunting or fishing, uh, reach out to Corey. Uh, you can you can hit him up on our, our general email, what's cooking at harvestingnature.com, and uh, kind of pitch your story. Give us a little synopsis, and Corey will set up a little recording sesh for you, and uh, it'll give you the opportunity to share your, your story to the wild fishing game world. And uh, I think I did one recently. Um, we just had Brad, Brad Luttrell yep, on. Yep, Brad was just on. His was a really good story. I liked it. Brad's a very good storyteller, um, which which I'm I'm happy I'm happy about because he he put together a good episode. And um, man, we we've had a bunch of great ones. We continue to do that like every week. So depending on what period in the week you are you may have to scroll back one or two episodes to find one but look for them they're they're categorized as adventure for food that's a great outlet just to tell some cool stories by the campfire but what i really am excited to mention is that we we've launched our cooking classes we're now in month two uh of our cooking classes of which adam is also a fellow cooking instructor I guess, I don't know, supper club host. We can call it whatever we want. Sure. Um, and uh, so he's got one. And we're actually, later on in the episode, we're going to be talking about his a little bit. And we may or may not touch on on what class I'm teaching this week, uh, or not this week, but this month as well. So we'll see how that plays out. But either way, uh, in the show notes, you have that. Harvest and Nature Supper Club. We're doing like a class or two classes every week uh you can go on there it's all virtual it's like 20 bucks very inexpensive cheaper than a night out especially if you have kids um and you can learn to cook some delicious wild game meals uh we also have uh recorded classes that we've done before which you can access and and purchase on demand and once you purchase them once you continue to have access to them so you can keep it in your repertoire of virtual recipes um 
it's just really cool. I, I can tell you I've personally watched every class that they did last month, and uh, they're all phenomenal. Great instructors, uh, very straightforward ingredients. They walk through each process, show you how to do it, answer questions, um, both as you're cooking the recipe and then sort of at the end of the session, everybody's like, all right, any last questions? And I, I've heard uh, things range from on topic to that specific recipe to like asking generalized questions about, you know, cooking wild fish and game. Like it, it's just an open platform for us to hang out and, uh, you know, cook some food and, and uh, that's about it. So it's fun stuff. I don't know, Adam, what are your thoughts on the, on our supper club so far? Well, so far, it's been pretty awesome. I did my first class um, a couple weeks ago, and I did like a, a fish, a, ba- a largemouth bass dish, uh, butter poached bass over Moroccan-style couscous. And uh, yeah, super easy. Um, had a few people join and, and make it with me, which is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and often my recipes are a little more complex, but for the separate classes, I'm keeping them pretty straightforward and simple just easy good weeknight kind of meals and i think the other the other um instructors are doing the same just because we have a a shorter time slot so we're not going to be you know stewing things for hours well while everyone watches and waits so we're doing just nice easy weeknight (laughs) kind of meals which i think people are really looking for uh when it comes to their wild game in the freezer so yeah it's a lot of fun nice yeah uh go to show notes click that link go sign up for one of the classes so uh Adams, I think, is up here next week at the time this podcast released, so uh, be sure to check his his out. Um, outside of that, I think I want to open up with a little game, and uh, I don't know the outcome of this game, but we're going to do a waterfowl name game, and uh, so as we go around, so uh, I'll go first, then Corey, then Sean, then Adam. So you have basically like five seconds to name a waterfowl species, and then the last person standing is the winner. And the the winner uh, is going to get to give away one of our Endless Season shirts. If you've seen those shirts uh, over on our website, it's a play on the, the old movie uh, Endless Summer, but instead of like guys holding a surfboard, it's a silhouette of a guy shooting ducks out of the sky. Endless Season. It's great. Great shirt. Uh, very rad. So... Um, I would say so. No, no cheating. Obviously, not not insinuating that you guys would, but uh, I see some some darkened screens here. So I'm just going to trust <laughs> in good faith that you guys aren't on Google. Um, and then uh, yeah, so we'll go five seconds. Oh, now Sean's back up. We'll go. <laughs> right. We'll we'll go uh, five seconds a person, and there's there's a little bit of a delay maybe so uh i won't completely buzz you yet i i did find out this recording feature has a uh let's see it has a transition here let's see what this sounds like all right i didn't like that one i like that one all right so if you hear that sound we i i didn't hear it on my end no you didn't no no oh hold on here we go now who's cheating I heard it now. Did you guys hear it? You, you hear it that time? All right. So I did. I didn't did do. It. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. You didn't hear it? No. Okay. Now I, I heard it. That time. All right. So yeah. if you hear that, then you're out. Yeah, we're getting intense right now. Um. All right. So let me set the timer here. 
Oh, let me reset. All right, so I'm going to go. Um, and Mallard. Snow Goose. Ruddy Duck. Uh, Northern Shoveler. Pintail. Canada Goose. Gadwall. Uh, Goldeye. Oh, that's the one I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm out. There. I'll sound it on myself. All right, I'm out. Corey, keep it going. Common, mer- common merganser. Canvas back. Black duck. Hooded merganser. Wood duck. <laughs> uh, blue winged teal. Isn't there a green winged teal? Cinnamon teal. Yep. <laughs> uh, buffalo head. Coot. Oh, crap. I was going to go coot. I'm going to get buzzed here. Oh, dang it. Uh, the wood duck. Did I say that already? I think I did. No. Oh, okay. No, we said wood duck. Did they? Yeah, Sean you said, said wood duck. duck. Already, so. yeah. Sean, Sean, you said did. wood duck. I panicked. Oh, you're out. All right, Corey and Adam. Uh, redhead. Har- Adam. Oh, no. Harlequin duck. Oh. Uh, Brant goose. Can I do like a cormorant? Uh, yeah. It's, it's a, if, you, uh, if you can give me a recipe for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to call it Corey. There we go. You got a winner. Uh, all right, Adam's the winner. Nice. <laughs> all right, Adam, who who are you, you gonna send the shirt to? Oh, he has to he has to say one more to he has to say one more to beat me. Okay. Uh Cackler. Cackling juice. Ooh. Alright, that sounds legit. Mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I was the first out, so don't trust my judgment. <laughs> um, all right, so Adam, you won. Uh, you get to gift gift our uh, our endless season shirt. Okay. Uh, think about who you want to send it to. No pressure. <laughs> I'll get back to you with that. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. No worries. That's what I meant. All no right. pressure. Now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, after that eventful. Uh, <laughs> eventful icebreaker uh let's move in so um if you haven't guessed now obviously we're gonna be talking about waterfowl so um i gave you know gave some thought to this and put together uh sort of what what i thought um was my best thoughts on ducks and geese and sort of combined those with recipes by adam and sean and Corey and my own and uh and I, i think we'll I'd like to mix, you know, some of the practicality and technique along with some of our recipes uh, as we go through to really kind of speak to the culinary aspect of it. And obviously, we're going to pepper that with cooking cooking stories, pun intended on that. Uh, but um, 
So looking at docs, so a lot when you when you go and look around the internet for for waterfowl recipes, you're gonna catch what recipes that are primarily catered toward domestic domestic uh domestic ducks and geese which when you live over in the wild game world uh you know like we do uh that you run into some issues because there's there's a vast difference in flavors and textures in uh fat content in in just about a lot of things and um i don't know i think it's just interesting when you think about it that way is waterfowl too is we'll we'll go here in just a minute uh adam wrote a great piece which i want to touch on uh, here recently on cooking ducks and geese, and it really goes into some of the the thoughts and uh, ideas behind cooking them, but also kind of like that whole like anti waterfowl preparation. I don't want to call it a movement because I don't want to give it validity, but um, thought. But uh, I don't know. Ducks and geese in North America have been hunted for, you know, for thousands of years. The indigenous population here has eaten them. I'm not going to go into a uh, great detail of that. I did find some cool facts over, uh, believe it or not, it, it ducks unlimited. They have some cool facts, um, which, uh, I thought was pretty awesome. Um, what was the one that, that stood out to me the most? Was that the swan is the largest waterfowl? That one's pretty, pretty profound. And that uh, that the smallest uh, North America's waterfowl is the green wing, green winged teal, which was brought up in today. So it can weigh as little as six ounces, which is insane. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that wood ducks have to ingest uh, seventy five grams for our Canadian friends and two point six ounces. Uh, of invertebrates to uh, obtain enough protein and minerals to produce one egg. So that's they, they have to acquire these nutrients and eat more than 300 er- invertebrates f- an hour for eight hours, which is insane. But I don't know, just some cool facts. Um, I don't know. Also, too, uh, the most popular duck dish in North America. Can you guys guess what it is? Duck all orange, Peking all orange. Sean, what do you think? Uh, I'm gonna say it's probably uh, duck all orange. Yeah. Nope, Peking duck. Corey was right. <laughs> I don't know who who is the. Uh... Oh no, the USDA. Wait, I don't know who did that research, but we could probably contest that. <laughs> Survey <laughs> <Sounds suspect says>. <laughs> Yeah, the USDA says nearly 26 million ducks were eaten in the U.S. in 2004, which is a lot. But they're like I said, they're not taking into account the number of wild ducks that were consumed, um, which is pretty interesting. But, all right, so... Adam brought up the uh, cackling goose. It it is Its official name is the cackling cackling goose. The what? The cackling, cackling, cackling? cackling goose, yeah, it's cackling twice. <laughs> huh. Interesting. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen one. Maybe I have. Oh, they we we've seen them. We get them from time to time. They are they just look, they're just a really small goose. Mm-hmm. If, you see, if you see them uh, in in with a big flock, I've seen them mistaken for like ducks in a flock of geese. But uh, yeah, they look. I've got a, my my dad shot one like seven years ago 
in a big flock of lesser Canadas. Oh and, yeah, uh, they do. Yeah, and they are just they they got a little different beak morphology and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but generally the markings are just white cheeks and and all the other plumage is is the same. But they're a cool little bird. To hold one in your hand is very like it's a bit of a mind trip because you, if you're used to picking up giants or even a big lesser Canada goose, and then you just get this little, you know, it's mallard sized or or so, like a mm-hmm. big mallard and a cackling goose are close close, and uh, it, it's it's pretty cool. It's a cool bird to see, and uh, I. I I begged my dad to get that bird mounted, but uh, he he was not having it. He he wanted the, he wanted meat. <laughs> so, he would be I like, one, "What's up with that little Canadian goose you got?" <laughs> I shot one last year actually, and uh, just found out it was a cackler. Like after looking at the photos again, uh, I just kind of thought at the time there was a really small, small Lesser Canada, but uh, yeah, it turned out because of the beak and everything. We looked back at the photos, and it actually turned out to be a cackler, but. I had already eaten it at that point, so there is no mounting going on there. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. So I'm looking here. They've got a good uh, the Audubon Audubon dot org. Uh, Learn to tell cackling goose. Canadian goose is the name of there. So uh, Canadian geese top of head forms a smooth arc, and the cackling is small and squarish with a steeper forehead, and the beak appears short and stubby. Versus the Canadian goose, it's pointy and elong- elongate, elongated. I think they misuse their tense, but that's okay. And they only so the cackling only flies south of Canada in the winter. Um, and we have they're common year round. Canadians geese are common year round down here, which is we're we're gonna touch on that a little bit because uh, I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on resident geese versus uh, migrating geese. Because I know it's hard to tell the difference, but we've all gone out like in the summer months, and you're like, wait a minute, you guys aren't supposed to be here. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX is The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Uh, I am really surprised at the amount of individuals that are very hesitant or blatantly opposed to uh to talk about eating waterfowl and and adam i think can let's go ahead and go into your uh your article a little bit sure and just kind of what give us the breakdown the normal kind of what motivated you and then can we can we go through those phrases that you uh that you mentioned in there those are those are interesting do you have them up there i don't have it I do, yeah. I'll read them yeah. off. So, yeah, sure. uh, Adam Adam opens uh, every thread. 
So he says, as I pursue social media hunting group or peruse social media hunting groups and online threads, I continue to see a constant stream of confusion, misrepresentation, and disinformation about cooking wild ducks and geese. Every thread or comment section looks a little like this. Geese are gamey. Ducks are greasy. Just throw it all in a crock pot. They're too tough. Tastes like liver. Aren't worth eating. Carp of the sky. I think that one's... It's very interesting. <laughs> Best roasted whole. Turn it all into jerky. Just leave them in the field. Pukey face emoji. <laughs> Cover them with salt and pepper. Cook on high. Put on a plate. Garnish with parsley. Dump into garbage and eat the plate. I think I've seen that one more more times than I care to ever mention the last one. Yeah, that's actually what spurred me to write that that piece was uh, just seeing that over and over again. And every, like I follow all sorts of hunting groups and try to be um, an active member in them. And that joke is just used so often for so many things. If anyone's ever like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Hey, I got a goose. Like, what should I do with it? Somebody has to come out with that joke. Um, It's just not funny or original. So I'd like to see the end of it. And I kind of got my back up eventually. (laughs) It was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I uh, sat down and I just wrote that that essay all in one go. um, Kind of as a response to that. Because I just see whenever there's someone who's like curious about cooking goose or ducks for the first time. And they they throw it out there into the... Which is a brave thing to do on Facebook. But... uh, they throw it out there and then they just get all those responses every time. Just all these people just shutting them down. Lots of negativity. Um, when in truth, I look forward to eating waterfowl every year. Like I really look forward to it. Some of my best meals, some of my favorite things uh, to eat, which just is so crazy that people would rather throw it in the garbage than eat it. So so I kind of sat down and just wrote kind of a basic, um, basic instructions on, on how to approach geese uh in other words not like chicken so don't approach it like chicken uh Mm -hmm. and and kind of take them for what they really are and i just kind of go through and break down you know like some of the best ways to to cook them and the different parts and what you should be doing with your ducks and geese in the in the essay so that's the the basic gist of it let let me ask let me ask you this because we kind of both and I saw you you and Sean nodding your head when I mentioned earlier but like the recipes a lot of the recipes out there on the internet if it's not specifically indicating like wild duck or wild geese do you think that there's there's some definite variation and that people should kind of tread lightly I guess yeah like seeing a traditional I I don't know yeah go ahead Sean no, I, I I think I was going right where you were going. Like most most traditional like domestic duck or goose recipes, still treat them. I I think generally the way you treat a wild bird, right? Uh, a lot of them want to, if you're if you're dealing with plucked birds, whether it's a Muscovy duck or a mallard duck, you know, go for crispy skin, go for you know medium at most uh, in terms of doneness, right? I think a lot of that is still uh, transferable, right? Uh, you know, if you're going to do a confit or a salmi or something like that, you know, those very tr- classic French, you know, they're, they're going to work for, for, for wild ducks, just like domestic ducks. Uh, I confit goose legs and duck legs constantly in, in the, in the wintertime when it's cold. So I think they're, I think those, those recipes are transferable if they're not explicitly, um, 
just calling out wild game mm-hmm. and wild waterfowl. But I think to what, you know, I read what Adam wrote and, and I think again, and I support all of it, not that it needs my stamp of approval, <laughs> but I think, I think, the, you know, the, the specifics about, you know, technique is a little more important and that can become, I think, daunting to the average person who's only ever had poppers. You know, we joked about poppers earlier, <laughs> right? Uh, or only had snack sticks. And I love snack sticks. Don't get me wrong. I got frozen goose meat in snack stick form from last year, right? Like, if, But if that's your only ever exposure to to wildfowl, waterfowl, uh, you're not going to, I think, be open to eating a medium rare goose breast. I hunt with guys who have eaten wild game their whole lives. And if I cook a goose breast medium rare in goose camp, they are talking smack and that's underdone and I'm not touching that and I'm just stuffing my face. I'm fine. Okay. You guys do your thing. Right. <laughs> More for me. So <laughs> yeah. So, but, but I, to, to that point, like, I don't know, Adam, if you think the same or if there's anything you want to layer on top of that or if I'm way out of left field, but no, I think that's pretty much right. I think the only big difference between the, the wild and the, and the um, farm ducks and geese is the fat content often um, you're going to have way more fat mm-hmm. on a, on a farm duck or goose. And that's going to make a difference when you're roasting it whole. And you'll notice a lot of old European recipes for, for whole roasted duck. And it's got all that fat layer to protect it when you're roasting it. And you're not going to get the same amount quite in a, in a wild duck unless you're lucky and you get a really fatty one, which happens from time to time. But uh, so as I talked about in the, in the essay a little bit as well, whole roasting isn't always the best way to go when you're when you're working with um wild ducks and geese and uh i find the like especially geese they're they're just out there eating grass all day and they're not being fed off corn like you would um a lot of the farm geese so they end up almost picking up this like grass-fed beef kind of flavor and uh i like to if I'm looking up kind of a, a Canada goose breast recipe, instead of looking at the old European recipes for, for goose breast, I'll look up a sirloin steak recipe and, and that might actually huh. do better. Or if I'm using the legs, I might look up like a pulled beef or pulled lamb recipe. And that actually works really good with the, with the geese as well. Um, but as Sean said, the old French recipes in terms of like the, the confit and, and the riettes and all those things like just work amazingly with, with wild ducks and geese for sure. I'm sitting here looking at a, a, a reference now, my 1974 cooking wild game. What's the title? Yep. And uh, they have a recipe, simple roast duck. And so uh, they have four ducks here and uh, apples, onions, celery stock, butter, so they use butter and game stock as a basting. And I, I think that's an important thing to point out when you talk about basting because you talk about adding oil to things, but you're also adding fat and moisture. And when you're roasting, it's going to cook off a little slower. So you're able to kind of help out in that if you're using wild wild ducks and that, that drying out. Uh, I tested that theory, I think, pretty heavily, not to speak of waterfowl, but uh, wild pork leg uh, back last year uh, smoked it for like 12 hours, like a whole wild pork leg. And as you know, wild pork, even though it has some fat, is still really lean compared to domestic pork. And so how I overcame that is I when I made my baste, uh, which is called a mop sauce, and you can go over on the website and you, you can find this recipe if you just look for mop sauce, um, uh, I included lard 
in my mop sauce. And so that kind of helped give it a little bit of extra juice and helped keep it from drying out because that really soaked in there. Uh, so looking at those old recipes like that is a reference. This reference um, is a good example. So yeah, slow down. Uh, look at those too. And if you're, you're really content on roasting it, then look at alternative sources for adding fat back into it. So, um, so as we talk about fats, sorry, go ahead, Adam. That's just agreeing. Uh, and careful with the, the older books like that, the people generally didn't eat medium rare things as much back then. Uh, so they're going to, a lot of the older books will tell you to roast it more than we would prefer to eat it nowadays. So, uh, um, that's not always the case, but some of the old books I've read really ha- like like the meat well well done, which I don't like it that way anyways. So the cooking times might uh, until it's gray. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so now that since we're kind of on we're on the topic of two things I want to talk about. So plucking or not plucking. Um, I don't know when when do you guys choose to pluck and when do you not choose to pluck. I I don't pluck a goose if it's purple. I have, I have an uncle who, you know, those early season birds, the juvies, the uh, the ones that have are more resident, you know, uh, my uncle calls those purple birds because if you if you if you're plucking them, they don't have a layer of fat and you, the skin is almost opaque, especially on a juvie juvenile bird. Uh, and, and we've always joked, yeah, don't, we don't we don't we don't pluck and roast purple birds those are the ones that we're going to butcher we're going to take to adam to adam's point you know those early season birds the birds i'm going to shoot tomorrow and and friday and saturday uh those early season birds and they're residents and and they're juveniles and they're not going to have much on the way of them way of fat but they have been eating grass and and maybe some grain since the grain's been off we're gonna we're gonna breast and leg all those and take hearts right that's what we're gonna do and i treat every one of those breasts just like a, a steak. Hmm. I use I use steakhouse marinades. I use steak spices. I grill on high heat to medium rare, slice thin and eat. Like that is that is our early season. And we don't so we don't pluck a lot of birds in early season. But up where I'm at, you know, the migration that comes through us in sort of Canadian Thanksgiving in mid October onward, now those birds have been eating corn all the way down. Mm-hmm. And you can when you when you pluck them off, one you can feel it. They're plump, and two they're yellow. Those are the birds that we'll pluck and we'll keep whole or we'll break down into quarters but keep skin on because then you can get that really crispy skin and that good goose fat. That That's how we handle them. I don't, I don't know, what, Adam, how you guys do them. Yeah, basically the same. I haven't done much early season hunting. Um, so most of the geese I've gotten have have had a, a, that fat on them. Um, and I had one goose that was purple like you mentioned and and it was a lot of work to pluck it and i'm not sure if it was worth it at all uh <laughs> but for for the geese that generally hunt in october i i pluck everything all, always um even if i'm not gonna use the fat on the piece of meat itself i'll render it and save it for comfy or, or whatever um so i just like to have a lot of goose fat on hand for cooking with so nice how how uh how does the flavor of goose fat compare to other other fats you may be using? I, I don't think I've ever I've had duck fat, not goose fat though. It's not even wild goose or duck. I feel like I just kind of mix all my ducks and geese, all the duck and goose fat together, um, because when I'm making confit, I often try to 
do like you know like a dozen legs at a time so you need quite a big pot of, of fat to do that uh, i'm sure we'll get into comfy mm-hmm. later if anyone hasn't done it before but uh yeah so so i just mix all the all the waterfall fat i can gets all put in the same so i never actually differentiated between between goose and, and duck fat before i'm not sure if there is a difference in flavor huh okay Corey, were your birds purple i i would probably classify them as as purple yes they were most of them well half of them were smaller you could tell they were juveniles um so yeah i i didn't pluck them so and then as so now i want to think about the fat a little bit because we're kind of talking about both we're mixing these topics very well um but so Corey, last year you got a merganser right correct <laughs> shot a whole box of shells for one <laughs> whole box of shells for one one merganser and and you- a hoodie or was it a common was it a hoodie or a common it- merganser uh, it was it was a common game, and so you you and I went back and forth on uh on on the preparation of it, and you were talking about getting the fat off of there. Correct, yeah, because every everything I had read, yeah, everything I read said that if you don't get the skin and fat off, it's going to taste like fish, like rotten fish. So I did my I just breasted it out. I threw the rest of it away, and with the breasts, I took the skin and trimmed all the fat and anything that looked like any anything close to fat I trimmed it off but then I prepared it in a way that kind of hides all the flavor I pounded it thin breaded it and fried it country fried merganser so oh sounds so good though I'd eat that yeah, yeah I'm into that <laughs> it, 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 I mean yeah it was it was good it was good I wouldn't I would eat it again but more importantly did your kids like it that's the ultimate test. Well, I only had one, and um, I made it when uh, my friend JC was up hunting with me f- for the weekend, and the kids, my wife and kids, went uh, to the in-laws for the weekend. So it was just me and me and a friend ate it. So nice. All right. I don't well, know if they. That works. I don't know if they guess- would though. I mean, I my kids would. You, bat, you batter and fry it. They're down. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's uh let's talk a little bit more about some duck recipes here. So, Adam, you have a Szechuan beer braised duck recipe, which is both referenced or highlighted in your in your recent article, and then also featured over at harvestnature.com, and is also on your website too, Intrepid Eater. I think it's just a link to back to your website. So, okay, yeah. Well, can you want to walk us through that one? Sure. Well, it's actually a good segue again because uh, that one's a really strongly flavored dish that would do well with uh, with diving ducks. Like, so if you had a merganser uh, and you're worried about the flavor, I would recommend doing you know like uh, big flavors like like curries or Mexican breezes or that kind of thing or or this, which is a uh, basically a Chinese hot pot or a style of hot pot where you create this really rich flavorful broth and cook everything in it and then you take the things you cooked out of the broth and eat it and leave the broth behind which is pretty out there for for North Americans but it means you can make the broth crazy 
spicy and crazy flavorful and you're not gonna and rich and you're not gonna actually like drink it you're just gonna have a little bit of saucing the the um whatever you cooked in it so so i braised uh a wild duck i think i used black duck for it but um and it's basically like a kind of like a chili bean sauce it's called dubinjiang in chinese i'm not sure if i pronounced that correctly um and you kind of just uh, sear everything down, cook it in this really rich, flavorful sauce, and then you're pick, plucking it out with um, chopsticks or with your fingers, and you're just going to town. So you basically just chop the whole goose up, bones and all, and then you're eating it like uh, you know, like chicken wings or a crawfish boil or, or crabs or something. So it's a really tactile kind of dish, which which I really enjoy. So I think I mentioned in that recipe that it's not probably the the dish for everyone to try out, but if you're into that kind of like digging in, putting on a bib and just getting into something like crawfish bowl, then you probably want to try that out. It's pretty awesome. It looks so, uh, and just kind of like paint the picture of hot pot for those who haven't uh, had it. It's like picture exactly as it sounds like a hot pot of like boiling, simmering, flavored, delicious stock in the middle of the table and then just some plates full of ingredients and everybody literally just drops the ingredient in there until it's the doneness of their liking so this is a great one if you have people that like different types of doneness there we go that's a word yeah. but uh, <laughs> um, uh would be good that way you can kind of compliment the whole family and you you also like adam mentioned you have control of the spice levels too so I'm looking at your recipe here, and it's like you got cloves and ginger and Szechuan peppercorns and cardamom pods and chilies and star of uh, anise and Dubon Jang chili bean paste, soy sauce. Like you can go beers in there, uh, jalapenos. So you can go as as full throttle or as backed off as you like, I think. But man. I love the thought of, of a hot pot too. I've been wanting to do like a, a venison. Maybe if I get an elk, I'll have to do an elk elk steak hot pot. Ooh, that sounds yeah, good. that'd be delicious. And the and if you're you know the, like that's a lot of ingredients for for some people. Um, I keep a pretty well stocked pantry, but you can go into a lot of Asian grocery stores, and I haven't even seen it in some of the large chain grocery stores. I have a big international section, uh, and just buy hot pot sauce. And it's basically concentrated hot pot broth. You just add water or beer, and it takes care of all those spices for you. So if that's a little more your your speed, huh. then that's an option for you as well. That's pretty cool. I uh, So to transition something a little more uh, – so it's really common in, in the Midwest United States, uh, a casserole or like a uh, – they call them hot, hot dish there. Hot, yeah, hot dish. Um, but it's basically like a one pot meal. Uh, and I put together back in October of last year, I put together a duck and wild rice casserole over on the meat eater website. And, uh, I think duck and wild rice to me, like go, go greatly hand in hand because in often places they're that's, they're eating some form of rice as they're sort of migrating. So, uh, I thought it was a really good compliment, but I wanted to do kind of, you know, when you think of like the casseroles and stuff like that, you think of like mushroom soup or like cream of mushroom, but I kind of broke it down and, and essentially made my own, uh, cream of mushroom soup, uh, with some heavy whipping cream and sliced mushrooms. And you really just throw all that in a pot. Uh, and, and I use a, uh, like a cast iron pan and then put like a layer of cheese on top of it and some panko crumbs and just like, 
baked it in the oven. I think that's a good way. There's some people that that won't. Some people won't eat medium rare duck. Some people won't eat well done duck. But if you're gonna eat well done duck, that's probably the way to do it. Um. But yeah, man, that was pretty phenomenal. So that's over. If you go over to the Mediator website, link will be in the show notes there. But it's probably at the top. And now I kind of before we transition fully, we've been dancing back and forth uh, between duck and geese as I I assumed we would. Um. I want to get kind of some of your favorites uh, recipes, um, and two out there too. I'll, I'll reach out to our our listeners here. If you've got a favorite uh, duck or goose recipe that we haven't talked about, or you think we should talk about, you know, send us an email. What's cooking at harvestingnature.com. I'm curious too. Uh, plucking, not plucking, uh, looking at diver ducks, mergansers, all those other things like. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it too and see, you know, are you guys eating them? Are you tossing them? Are you eating the plate? Uh, I hope not, but uh, let, let us know for sure about that. Uh, very curious in the world of waterfowl. So I'll turn that over. So uh, let's go, Corey. Corey, what's one of your favorite uh, duck recipes? Well, I've I've only ever cooked one duck and I just seared it to medium rare with the skin on, and I had made like a mushroom sauce with the, with it, and it was it was really good, and I, it was only one duck, and my wife and I ate it, and we wanted more, but I didn't have any more, um, so I need to shoot more ducks than just one merganser this year, so hopefully I can do that, um, but as far as a goose recipe. I don't know if you want to talk about those now. Sure, let's do it. I I use a lot of my goose breasts um, to make pastrami. Because my kids, I have a meat slicer, and they'll just, like, just as it's coming off, you know, they'll, I barely have any left to, to save for later. They just <laughs> devour it coming off the slicer. But, uh... All right, so we're, we're gonna I, we're gonna I, have to go a little deeper into your goose rest, your pastrami recipe, because I've been I've been poking at you for like two weeks now to tell me more about this recipe. It's I I use Hank Shaw's as a base, but okay, but I branch out from there and, and use different. I like dry brines better than wet brines. I I don't know. It's just cleaner. I feel like it it penetrates the meat better. So okay. uh, sometimes I use tender quick um, for the curing, and sometimes I use uh, the prog powder, the pink salt. Um, mm-hmm. I just I just bought a big like pound sixteen ounce jar of it off of Amazon. So um, I'll probably be using it quite a bit now since i have a a good supply of it um and you know i i use hank's um recommendation for the amount of curing salt with per gram or per pound of you know grams of salt to pounds of meat i follow his recommendation i can't remember what is off the top of my head um but then I use different things and, and spices 
for my dry brine. I don't stray too far. But then, like, once everything's cured, uh, I, I keep it keep it in the fridge for like a week to cure it. And then mm-hmm. um, I've learned that you really, you really got to wash it. And I let it soak in water for an hour or two. Otherwise, you get too salty. Um, your end product is too salty. And I think that's that's probably a uh, mistake I've made in the past is is sometimes not soaking. Even some of the older recipes call for like a little bit of boiling, just a just a little bit to dry out some of that salt. But I don't, yeah, sorry, I definitely definitely recommend at least soaking it because I've tried to just rinse it and stuff, and then and then it just uh, too salty. And I you know I managed to cut the salt you know eat it with cheese and mustard and stuff to cut the salt taste down um but it's better when it's not too salty but where, where i start to get creative is like the the rubs that i put on it after after i've oh, let it okay. soak but before i i put it uh, on the smoker and um like i made one of i did a big batch I don't know about a month ago, and uh, a couple of the breasts I did uh, I put minced garlic all over it, and that was my wife's favorite. You you could the garlic flavor just just came through. You know it was a nice it was a bold flavor. It was good, um, and we made Reuben sandwiches with that. It was, it was good stuff. Ooh. So I. Since I do such big batches, I'll I'll do I did ten pounds this last time, so I'll do some with you know garlic and I did a a Cajun one this time. I mixed up some Cajun, uh, created you know with the different like what's all involved with Cajun, paprika and I can't remember what all I put in there, but it it was like a Cajun style chili yeah. Uh, Cajun style rub, and I put that on a few of the breasts, and 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 then you know the Hank Shaw staple juniper berries on some, and cracked pepper, and I like to put uh, mustard seed, and I'll I'll put it in a grinder, spice grinder, so you get like the you know a varied texture. So I I really mm-hmm. like the pastrami, and then. The other thing I like to do is just straight up like smoke the the breast, but to a medium rare. So it's kind of like a I don't know I don't know if you'd call it a roast beef comparable to a roast beef, but like sure. I I brine it, I do a wet brine with that, and then I smoke it um, at a lower temperature, and but only to medium rare like that one thirty five. And you know a little bit of like sauce on there. Oh, it's, it's good stuff. So awesome! It all sounds good. Sean, what do you what do you got? What's a what's a favorite waterfowl recipe? Oh man, I I was reading the show notes before this, and I was like, they're gonna make me choose. Uh, <laughs> but since Corey since Corey had a couple, actually I got a couple. Um, so like I said earlier, I I absolutely love. Well, it's still hot out in September when we're hunting early geese. Just doing like a steak style grilling mm-hmm. on goose press. 
I do a balsamic. I have a balsamic base kind of, kind of a uh, wet marinade. Put it in for like six or twelve hours, uh, and and then just seven minutes on each side, and and just flushing medium rare, uh, sliced thin with some like horseradish and and some fries, like steak and fries or something like that. It's it's incredible. And again, it's a great way. I love doing that with those early season geese because because they're so lean and it is so comparable to beef. Mm-hmm. Um, with ducks. You know, I, I've had ducks a lot of ways, and I do a lot of confit and stuff, and it's hard to beat that in in the wintertime when the season's over and you're looking to be, like, using up your, your ducks in the freezer. But honestly, my favorite duck recipe, is it's more of like a personal sort of transportation to a time and a place. We typically, the November weekend before deer season, rifle deer season starts, we'll hunt ducks. And and uh, and those are fatty ducks, and those, those are migrators. And... Uh, really simple we pluck we'd shoot hopefully you know six or ten and we'd pluck them and a real simple recipe the sunday before rifle deer everybody got a duck and it's basically a whole roasted duck stuffed with some sliced up apples simple roast salt and pepper with some oil and then a little bit of orange juice in the pan and uh and just drizzle that over your duck on your plate and and for a number of sundays before deer season started that was that was dinner there weren't any sides Here's your whole mallard. <laughs> That's awesome. Enjoy it. Like so so you know, I think I think and not to get philosophical, but I think like good food, especially wild game, like sh- should remind you or transport you to like a time and a place. Yeah. Right? So when I'm thinking about eating ducks, I mean, again, I love confit ducks. I love I did a recipe for Harvesting Nature that was um uh pan seared breast with blueberry compote, I yep. think. Yep. And that was that was awesome. It was it was great. But just every time I get goosebumps just thinking about it, those those whole roasted mallards just on a plate in deer camp on a Sunday before with with a cold beer was is, is nothing beats it. So it's good they say like a lot of it you eat with your eyes you know, you eat with your eyes first. But I think you continue to eat and the experience of your surroundings and you know the comfort and all those other things start to play in to effect. It makes you know it can make a grilled cheese like the most memorable delicious meal ever and not to compare those roasted ducks to that by no means but hey, no you're right you're right it's exactly it like that that's why and again i'm not gonna that's why i that's part of why i do it right that's i, I you know i grew up with you shot it you eat it mm-hmm. so you know if, if you're gonna take a life respect it and, and do it right and 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 those memories you know that that's as much fun i was much fun cooking something i shot six months ago as i did shooting and cleaning it that that's why i you know so that's why the the duck recipe i'd say that's it but there's a ton of other ones i could sit and talk about this for hours but then uh, that'd get boring so <laughs> all right adam uh what, what do you got what's a what's a favorite or favorites uh, first sean just reminded me of of uh alex atala quote he's uh, an amazing chef in brazil doing a lot of cool things but he's i can't remember the quote off the top of my head but it's something to the effect of the human ability to turn emotion into a physical thing which I think is often what we're cooking, especially what we're doing when we're cooking, especially with wild game, because there's all that emotion that went into it, all the hard work, all the stories, the camaraderie, all that different thing, all the different stuff kind of ends up on the plate and does add to the flavor. So you're eating with your eyes and you're eating with like those past emotions that you've actually transformed into something physical, which just to get philosophical or philosophical a little bit on you guys, but I really like that. Uh, in terms of favorite kind of recipes um 
anyone who's followed my stuff probably sees a lot of uh you know like african and asian influences and everything but um mm-hmm. i always go back to the french for for my favorite ducks and geese kind of preparations like the confit the rillettes like all these like uh pates like i love the livers i never ever throw out the livers um I just, yeah, I made so many different things and I, and those ones always really stand out. It's like the, there's something beautiful about just a pan seared duck breast It's super simple and easy. But when you work all day to like, to turn something into, uh, this incredible spread that, that has a million different flavors and this, all this complexity, it, it's really special to me. So I think like all those kind of old school French charcuterie kind of preparations are my favorite for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I um so I've I've never had this, but it's been on my radar now for uh oh man, it's been it's been several years since I first heard of it. But uh have you guys ever heard of of pressed duck? Mhm. With the machine that they so like the old like machine? A, <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Yep, I'm I'm so uh I'm so intrigued by this method of preparation and and I'll break it down cuz this is very like very interesting. So the duck press is like a tool uh, they invented it in like the 1800s. Uh, it, it came up. A lot of New York restaurants were doing it, but it it very, very much uh, dates back to like uh, Paris and France and a lot of the revolutionary cooking movements at the time. But basically, it's like a 20-pound silver press. And so the technique is is you take the duck, the whole duck, and you age it. And you age it for like, uh, I think, what is it? Maybe, I don't know, I'm looking on the exact time on this. Either way, you age it for, uh, you know, let's say six, seven days, right? And so that allows the muscle to start breaking down. Like it, it starts kind of, it, 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 it ages. It gets softer, it gets juicier, like all that stuff happens. So then you take the whole duck, uh, which has naturally been gutted and cleaned, so you don't have that part. But you take the duck and you put it in this press. And to describe the press, you got like two legs on each side. You have kind of a mesh basket with a little spout at the bottom. And then a crank, like a large crank with uh, imagine like a sausage stuffer, uh, that type of platform to push the meat down. But instead of like a hand, uh, a, a vertical hand crank, you would have a horizontal crank. And so you crank this down and it essentially like squeezes the juice out of the duck. And so then the traditional preparation is they take this juice, they t- pull the carcass out, they slice the breast off, and now you've got aged duck breast. So now you take that and you throw it and they sear the duck breast in the pan, and then they bring it out to the table and they create a sauce using all the juices from that duck and then serve it to you like tableside. And I don't know, just like... It's just over the top, just like, wow, like very lavish as far as like what you would imagine, you know, a, a meal of duck to be. But just like that press. Uh, and I was reading earlier, it was like you can get one on on uh, eBay for like two thousand dollars because they're silver. <laughs> but it's just like, holy smokes. So it's on my list. If I ever come across a good deal for a duck <laughs> press, uh, you may see it, but, uh, it's just crazy. Um, just to think, Oh, so it says the, the sauce here traditionally made roast garlic, use part of the duck liver 
uh, foie gras mousse plus chicken stock. Um, it's just crazy. Like that. That's wow. Actually, sauce. could I cut in but there? I don't know. Um, yeah, kind of brings up a point in my head, and it's something I've heard from a lot of people when I, you know, I tell them like they they're asking what should I do with my ducks. I say, oh, you should definitely do a confit or briette or something. And they're like, oh, I don't do that fancy French shit. Uh, and and <laughs> you know that that duck press is fancy French shit. Like that's that's the the haute cuisine. That's like super lavish and ridiculous and and cool to to a cook, but obviously not something you're to be doing uh, on a normal basis. But that that confit and all that stuff is actually like French country food. It's it's simple farmer food. Mm-hmm. And it's something I think not everyone understands is that it's not something that's fancy. It, it's meant it was eaten and made by farmers for farmers. So I think I just wanted to get that out there that like a lot of these just because it has a French name, it doesn't mean it's like fancy and crazy. It's so true. I, I've had this conversation with again, love my family, but they're simple folk when it comes to cooking. You know, they like I said, well, we're gonna confit it. And, and I get the same eye roll French. I said, okay, we're going to slow fry this. Because that's what a confit is, right? Instead of a, it's a slow fry. And and to your point, Adam, this is one thing I, I studied in school. I studied like French history. That is one thing I am actually qualified to talk about. The best food is that French peasant food. French onion soup is, 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 is a, it's, a, it's a cliche now. But that was because when you're a poor French peasant in pre or proto-revolutionary France you have beef bones and you have onions in the ground and you have stale bread mm-hmm. and and so so these these like all you have is a, is a duck and you can't buy oil so you have the fat that the duck came in right and that and, and you don't have time to tend to it because you are working because you are a poor French peasant so you you slow fry this you just the that is the those are the best preparations for anything and they're not fancy to exactly your point I think that's a myth that also needs to die mm-hmm. is is that these are difficult, or they're inaccessible, or they are they are labor intensive? Because generally, press duck notwithstanding, <laughs> I think I think they're not labor intensive, right? You put your duck legs in if olive oil, if that's all you got, I don't care, uh, and stick them in the oven at 200 degrees and walk away for eight hours. Go to your work day. Yep. And when you come back, they're incredible, right? So I I, I like I like that you said that. I think that's a major point. Yeah. Waterfowl plays to it specifically because because of the nature of, of the animal. But I think in general, those those some of those preparations get overlooked because they're considered to be inaccessible or haughty toddy or whatever you want to say, right? Like, you know. So I think that's a really good thing to point to bring up and, and, and dispel. Mm-hmm. Spread the gospel, man. <laughs> Spread the gospel. But if you if you do if you are feeling fancy. Buy a duck press yeah. and invite me over <laughs> so we can press the duck. <laughs> Put it on Instagram. Let us know how it turned out. I, I, I'm intrigued. Definitely, man. 100%. Um, so as we kind of transition out of this, because we're, we're, we're getting close to time, I do want to uh, give Adam the opportunity to kind of talk about his upcoming uh, class. We mentioned a little bit on it earlier, but uh, if if you want to, Adam, hit a little bit on the on the topic, uh, the recipe that you'll be preparing, the way we can motivate some people to go sign up for the class. So don't give all the details, just like the really good ones without giving away the techniques. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was kind of thinking, like, I, I still have a little bit of goose in the freezer to cook up before the season comes up, even though it's coming up tomorrow, basically. But uh, And I was thinking of something, you know, like 
something easy, something weeknight, something you can whip up really quick, and something you can do with you know a, a goose breast or a duck breast, or you could even do it with with venison or, or beef. But uh, and um, I kind of thought something that people are familiar with too, because a lot of the things I cook, people had never heard before, heard of before. Uh, so I chose to do Mongolian goose. Uh, so it's very similar to the Mongolian beef you might find in your neighborhood Chinese American takeout joint. Um, it is not at all Mongolian in in reality. Uh, Mongolian food has a lot more mare's milk and, and horse in it, I think, and you're probably not going to find <laughs> this sweet kind of <laughs> recipe. But it's a lot more like the, the Chinese takeout uh, version. And, yeah, it's just a matter of, like... Uh, a quick, um, they call it kind of velveting is, is basically tossing something in, in cornstarch, um, to tenderize it and then a quick stir fry. And it's so easy and super tasty and works really well with goose. So I think, uh, if anyone's interested in just learning like a quick Tuesday night, kids are screaming kind of meal, uh, that's going to be ready in, in under half an hour, then, then you should definitely join the class and check it out. Perfect. All right. Corey, any last comments or thoughts before we go around uh, around the room? I I wanted to talk about duck hearts or uh, goose hearts. Oh, because, we totally yeah yeah yeah. Because I yeah well I kept the heart out of all the geese that I have, and I still have some from the ones that I got last year. Um, so I have quite a few hearts. And I had a thought, and it's essentially a popper, but instead of a jalapeno, it's a a heart. So a heart stuffed with uh, like a spicy sausage cream cheese mixture and then wrapped in bacon and thrown on the grill. But I wanted to get uh, pick the brains of Sean and Adam to see what, uh, what recommendations they had. Oh, you don't want to pick my brain? <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a couple heart recipes nope. actually like so I mean yeah I, I would say so I think that would work despite the aspersions we've all cast on poppers today I, I got an idea I think my October contribution to harvesting nature I've I've totally I've got a I've got a popper idea now that I'm gonna I'm gonna try to sell Ben on for my October submission but anyways that notwithstanding so uh, not a shameless plug getoutgunning.com I have a crispy deep fried goose hearts recipe. Ooh. Uh, which is which is on there? It's a, it's a kind of like, you know, it's a typical deep fry. Like you, there's some buttermilk and there's some some uh, some some panko and and stuff like that. But there's it's it's really easy. I would try that, man. Uh, I just recently did just skewered hearts with like, uh, not skewered, smoked hearts. I did smoked hearts. Uh, if you got a smoker, or a Traeger, or or, any, or a pit boss or anything like that, uh, I find if you smoke hearts they get almost like uh, a sausagey type snap that external kind of membrane on a heart gets nice and crispy uh especially if you smoke them i I eat a lot of hearts like no one else in my family in my house will eat them i think there's still that organ meat aversion amongst my children and my spouse but i eat a lot of duck and goose and deer heart and uh and the other one is butterfly hearts butterfly hearts and quick grill them like super quick super high heat and just eat them like tataki that would be another way I would like to. I've had them. That's really good. I don't know, Adam. What do you got? Yeah, basically the same. Like uh, I'd like to skewer them and, and grill them super high or or in a cast iron pan. And I usually keep them pretty simple because I just I really like them. 
I keep them usually medium rare to medium. Like overcooked heart can get a little tough and leathery, so I try to keep them uh, like pretty pink still. And uh, then I just dress them up. So just kind of salt and pepper on them, sear them, get a little uh, like char on them, and then uh, you know I've done like I have a recipe on my website for. Um, like a sage oil or hazelnut, uh, just you can kind of dress them up any which way you like. Uh, Thai sweet chili sauce, kind of any direction you want to go with it. Um, yeah, but just keep it simple because they're they're delicious. Uh, yeah. Nice. So it's I'm glad I'm glad you're both into skewers because so uh, my my class I'm doing this month uh, is going to be a play on Japanese uh, heart skewers, but I'm going to be using like a an antelope heart. But I'm going to go through in the class and break how go through how to break down the heart into usable pieces because there's a lot you know you guys know uh, being connoisseurs of 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 awful that uh you have to t- get some work sometimes in order to get there to the finished product so not a lot of people may be comfortable with that so i wanted to give the opportunity uh for folks to to interact and learn kind of how to break down a heart one-on-one and then uh we're gonna put those on skewers on the grill uh japanese style with like this really amazing sauce so but that recipe is based off a Japanese grilled chicken heart recipe, which could also be used for you, Corey. I know you didn't want my opinion, but as I am the host, I'm going to give it. <laughs> well, I, I knew you would just um, give it, so. <laughs> That's fair. If, I can't let the conversation um, leave leave goose off or duck off without talking about gizzards, which a lot of people leave in the birds, but you really yeah. got to start cooking with them. Like, I pulled a gizzard out of a goose that was literally the size of my fist, and I have substantial fists, and that's all awesome <laughs> muscle meat that people are just throwing out. Uh, and all you got to do is like, there's a the a way to clean them. You can look up Hank Shaw's website or or YouTube. I think I'm gonna put out a guide to do so this fall when I get some geese, and throw them in the slow cooker overnight, or confit them, or anything. They're so so good, and you shouldn't be throwing them out. Just wanted to get that out there. Oh, that's a good plug. I like that too. Cuz I think of the only thing I think of as gizzards is like I grew up in the southern part of the United States where like fried chicken gizzards are are king amongst every gas station food. Um so uh I was not a fan, but I think that gizzards are are very admirable uh now that I'm older. So, that's a good plug. I'm glad you mentioned that. You I think we hit kind of all you- the sorry. Sorry, when you when you slow cook them down, they, they they you won't even they won't taste anything like those gizzards from your from your youth. They're just like fall apart, beautiful mm. muscle meat, like nothing at all like an, an organ. So yeah, try that out. It's good. I'm I'm thinking back on the conversation now. So we've hit we hit hearts, we hit gizzards, we hit liver. You mentioned liver, Adam. Um, any any pieces we're we're missing? Are the tongues? I'm gonna try tongues. Yeah. This year. Oh, man. Yeah. You'll like um, it. So. I'm, 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 <laughs> we're gonna deep pro- the other guy that uh, he writes for Harvest and Nutri as well, the other partner from Ghetto and Go Hunting, uh, Lucas, him and I, we're going we're gonna, to uh, Szechuan fry some some uh, mallard tongues or goose Ooh. tongues this year. So, uh, yeah, they're, t- I, I they're tasty. I won't, retell this, I won't retell this story, but I've had uh, 
because uh, I, depending on the, how this produces, I just talked about this last uh, last recording, which I think this one will supersede it, so I'm not going to give it away. But uh, I've had uh, a big giant plate of duck tongues in Chinatown in New York, and it's like it it that experience is just uh, it was very unique. And I was like a sophomore in college, so while my perception of food of the world was great, it wasn't as great as it is today. So, um, but yeah, that that's a good story too. Um, well, I think we've we've reached the end here, um, unfortunately, because this conversation is always amazing. Um, but we'll give a quick round for uh, misfires, alibis, last comments, and let's go with Sean. Uh, yeah, I just want to apologize publicly to any of my friends or family that listen to this. My <laughs> my dad's worked for 30 years at Ducks Unlimited, and my waterfowl knowledge should be better that I didn't win that. That I didn't win that game is going to be a point of shame that I'm going to have to carry. I grew up I grew up reading those Know Your Ducks pamphlets, like just bored out of my skull. I should have them all memorized, but uh, but uh, good fair play to Adam and Corey for for making me panic and, and lose. But uh, no, otherwise, I think this has just this has been a ton of fun. I, I love talking to you guys about this stuff, and I could talk about uh, ducks and geese specifically for, for days, not hours. So this is awesome. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Adam, what do you got, man? Yeah, kind of the same. I could just talk about it forever. I'm so disappointed that it's over already. I could just – there's so much that we could get to, so we're going to have to do a part part two soon. Um but I got a, a different kind of a odd thing to say at the end. But uh, when you guys are are hunting, and if you're, we were talking about um, hunting out of the canoes earlier, um, and you're putting the reeds on and everything, and, and cattails to to camouflage, make sure you're not transporting that Phragmites uh, invasive species around the lake and seeding the entire lake with it, uh, <laughs> just just to cover your your boat up with the duck blind. So use. If you're going to be doing that, use native species and, and not that uh, Phragmites kind of uh, European reed um, when you're doing that. So just kind of pay attention to what you're doing there. Ooh, that is a good tip. I didn't I didn't even think about that. Hot tip. Corey, ch- yeah, check your canoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Corey, what you got? Last thought. Uh, my uh, I j- Just in the last couple years, I've really started – hitting um this goose hunting and water waterfowl hunting thing and since our goose season opened september 1 um my my hunting season now goes from september 1 to february 28th and my wife just loves that she loves that (laughs) she loves that i spent all that time hunting but but the if i can if i can create the the dishes that we've talked about tonight the, uh, recreate them and and make some dinners that sh- that she really enjoys she might she might uh be a little more lenient yeah i i hope so it's uh <laughs> we, we've talked about some good food tonight um i will say my last thought is um we well we have talked about a lot of good food but for all those out there that are looking at getting a waterfowl, don't don't be intimidated by it. Definitely do it. Um, you know, as as you transition throughout the year, uh, go out skeet shooting, practice. You know, learn learn to ID ducks, learn the names of ducks. <laughs> I'm guilty of that one, but um, no, and and don't be afraid. Like once you have a duck, don't don't toss it in the field. 
you know, obviously we're not, we're not supporters of, of wanton waste, but like figure out how to cook it and figure out how to cook the whole duck, the legs, the breast, you know, the gizzard, the heart, the liver, like use, use these recipes as resources to build upon your own repertoire. And, you know, maybe you're not into pressed duck or hot pots or, you know, pastrami, but you know, we, we talked so much here that the, that, I, f- I feel anyone should be able to comfortably navigate the kitchen when it comes to, to waterfowl. And, uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed the episode tonight. Cause I have, I've loved talking about it. This is, this is a great thing. Waterfowl definitely deserve the respect that they are not always given in the kitchen. I'll say that. That's my last thought. And, uh, forever with that said, I thank everybody for listening. The show notes will be online, head over to social media, check out, uh, trepid eater, Check out getoutgohunting.com. Uh, both Sean and Adam, thanks for coming on the show tonight. And uh, once you do that, make sure you're following Harvest and Nature on whatever social media platform you use. And then once you're done there, go over to that podcast platform. And don't forget, we still give away hats for written reviews too. Um, I, I've seen a lot of five-star reviews, but I haven't seen a lot of five-star written reviews. So we're looking for those. Write one of those. We'll read it on the air, shoot you a hat. And uh, all, all will be good in the world. But whatever podcast platform you listen to, punch that five-star button. Tell us what we're doing wrong or, you know, tell us what we're doing right. And thanks, everybody. Have a good night. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.